So we're going to continue on in a series that uh, we were, we've been doing for quite some time now. And uh, we didn't last week because it was Easter, but uh, we're back into it today. Go eat popcorn. It's named that so you remember the four books that we're talking about, the letters Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. And I'm encouraging you to, to really get to know them because as Paul writes to the churches there, ultimately to us, there's so many foundational truths that we need to get a hold of and understand in order to really experience the full and abundant life that he came for us to have. And we're in Philippians now. Uh, and I've said to you sort of the idea behind Philippians is it's a lot about getting us to change our perspective, changing the way we think, changing our attitude. And it works great in light of Galatians and, and, and Ephesians because of what we learned there. In Galatians, you know, we're, we're learned that we're living in response to the love that God has for us, not living in a way to, to try and get God to respond to us. And then in Ephesians, we talked about our identity in Christ primarily as, as the church. And that's important that we get a hold of, that we're the church, individually and corporately. So that church isn't something that you do, church is something that you are. And that's something that you are all the time. You're the church right now gathered corporately when you go. You're the church on mission out in the world around you. We're the church. And because of those things then, it's to cause us to start thinking differently about the way that we approach life. And Philippians, Paul really writes in there to help us do that. And so we're going to talk today about pressing in and sort of getting unstuck in areas where we might be stuck and what that means. So that's the intro. Uh, oops, I went one too quick. The um, bad joke time. These are quite bad too. They almost booed me at both services. So I'm very happy. Water is really easy to understand. What it boils down to is steam. I I was really bored, so I decided to memorize six pages of the dictionary. I learned next to nothing. Wait, wait, wait. This gets better. I recently took a poll and found out that 100% of the occupants were angry with me when their tent collapsed. Comedy gold, baby. Scripture, scripture reading. Philippians chapter 3, 12 through 16. Here on purpose. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up. To what we have already attained, blessed be the word of the Lord. Uh, I appreciate that the Apostle Paul wrote this some 30 years into his Christian walk. Uh, as he says things like, not that I've already got it all handled or figured out or attained, but I'm pressing on. I'm continuing on in this journey. And, and I think that's important for us to understand because uh, there are places in our life and on this walk, I think, where we sometimes get stuck. And... Uh, 
God wants us to not be stuck in those places and to really continue to press on towards Him as we walk on on this journey. So uh, I want to look at that together today. And in doing that, I want to go back into the Old Testament and I want to look at a passage of Scripture. It's not that bad, I promise. I love babies. I do. I get a kick out of it. So uh, there's a passage in the Old Testament. It's, it might be a little obscure, um, but you've, if you've read through the Bible or something, you've read it. It's back in First Samuel, and it's about a couple of uh, young young guys, young priests. And uh, what they do is they they take the word of God, which they know, but then they change it to satisfy themselves. And, and so it becomes something other than what it is. And it impacts not only them, but it impacts everybody around them. And that's kind of what I want you to look at as we read this scripture. Are there areas in my life, in our lives, where we're sort of taking the word of God and we're changing it to sort of justify things that we're doing? Because whenever we do that, we're getting stuck in those areas. And so... Uh, I'm always encouraging you, read your Bibles. You, you need to know what's going on in there. You need, you need to understand what's taking place, how it all ties together. And, and that as you read it, then the Holy Spirit can illuminate it to you and help you in these areas. So we're not settling for um, less than what we can experience in the Lord. So this particular story, it's, as I said, it's about two young guys, two priests. Uh, and uh, they're sons of Eli. And their names are Hophni and Phineas. Uh, interesting names. It almost Hoffney and Phineas. It almost could be like a crime detective show or something, but uh, but it's not. And uh, and the other thing is, as we read this story, sometimes we read about you know Old Testament priests or something like that, and we think, well, that has nothing to do with me. But you know, in the New Testament, when you read Second Peter, we find out that now we're the royal priesthood, and it absolutely impacts the way that we do things, uh, and especially the way that we minister to the Lord and into the world around us. So we need to be aware of that as we go. That's in 1 Peter 2.9 if you want to look at that. So let me um, read you this passage. I'm going to talk through it as we go, just so you have uh, an idea of what's going on. This is 1 Samuel chapter 2, beginning in verse 12. I love the way it starts out. Eli's sons were scoundrels. Isn't that a great introduction? You're glad that's not you they're talking about, right? Uh, in some translations it says they're wicked. In others it says they're worthless. Uh, so you sort of get the picture of what's going on here. And, and why are they getting, you know, called that in the scripture? And we sort of get the quick answer right away. They had no regard for the Lord. No regard for the Lord. Now, these are priests uh, of the Lord. You know, they're going to be dressed in the right garb. They're going to be doing uh, priestly things. And yet what it says is they just don't care about God. They have no regard at all for the Lord. And, and then it, turned, it continues on. It was the practice of the priests. That whenever any, of, whenever any of the people offered a sacrifice, the priest's servants would come uh, with a three-pronged fork in his hand while the meat was boiling, uh, being boiled and would plunge the fork into the pan or the kettle or the cauldron or pot. And whatever the fork, fork brought up, the priest would take for himself. This is how they treated all the Israelites who came to Shiloh. So what was going on is people would bring uh, meat for a sacrifice and... The way it's written in the scripture, in the, in the Levitical law, that meat was to be placed into boiling water, a pot, until all the fat was burned off. And then a portion of what was left was for the priest, a portion. But these two guys, these two priests, decided that they didn't like their meat cooked at a full boil. And so they started to send the guys that work with them, just go over there while it's boiling, and you, you stick a fork in the pot, and whatever you bring up, that's going to be ours. We're going to take that part, because we want our meat a little tender, more tender than it's coming up. 
And so they, they start to change the Word of God, how things are supposed to be. They start to change it for their own benefit. And then it goes on in verse 15. But even before the fat was burned, in some of your translations, it says, moreover, they're going to take it to another level. The priest servants would come and say to the person who was sacrificing, give the priest some meat to roast. He won't accept boiled meat from you, but only raw. And if the person said to him, well, let the fat be burned first and then take whatever you want, the servant would answer, no, hand it over now. If you don't, I'll take it by force. See, it wasn't enough now that they were, they were getting some meat, you know, sort of halfway through. They decided they wanted to cook it to their own temperature, their own liking. And so they said, just give it to us raw. And if anybody objected because they knew that wasn't what the Word of God said, they said, either do it or we're going to take it from you by force. Do you see now how they're changing the Word to sort of get what they want? Not only is it, is it messing everything up, it's starting to impact everybody around them. How about these people that are coming just to worship God and all of a sudden, and they know it's not right, and yet they're, they're being threatened, you know, physically threatened in the process. And, and so what's happened is it's a big problem has taken place. And uh, verse 17, it says, This sin, obviously, of the young men was very great in the Lord's sight, for they were treating the Lord's offering with contempt. There again, no regard for the Lord. They just didn't care about what the Lord wanted. And so that's sort of the issue that's going on there. And so these guys, they knew about God, but, but they, they just didn't care what he had to say about the situation. And what we have to do, where we have to challenge ourselves, is we have to be careful that we don't start to do that. That we don't start to take the Word of God and then change it because it's not exactly what we want and we want it to be something else. Uh, and... and if you think, well, I would never do that, the reality is all of us do that. That's, that's what sin looks like. Sin is always us doing it our way instead of doing it God's way. And all of us have sinned and have issues going on like that. And that's the struggle. It's just kind of painted out in that picture. And so we need to be aware of those things and what's going on and be aware of the, the idea that not only does it keep us from experiencing the type of life that we could experience, it's having a negative impact on people around us. Because we're called to live as a light. And don't get me wrong, we're not perfect. There's nobody in the room who's perfect. But, but you know, we, we need to be careful that the way that we're living this thing isn't casting a, you know, a negative, having a negative impact on those people who need to come to know Jesus. Because we're the priesthood. We're, we're, it's on us. We're the, we're the ones that carry the good news. We carry the message. We, we bring it into the world around us. That's what we do. We are the church. And this is what we're called to. So, so you know, with that in mind... I want to talk about sort of uh, three ideas uh, about how to not be stuck in situations. Any of those places where maybe we've, we've got things a little caught up in what we want and what God wants. So the first thing that we really need to do is you, you need to take hold of the solution. You need to take hold of the solution. Philippians 3.12 says this again. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect. That's Paul 30 years in. Big deal. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. We have to take hold. We have to embrace the solution. And, and this is very important. So the solution to where we're stuck is, is not, it's not about trying harder. It's not about reading a bunch of books. It's, it's not about you know, spending more time in, in prayer meeting. It's not, it's not about, oh, I need more time in devotion. The, the solution is in any of the things, not that those things are wrong, but the solution to the fundamental problem that we all have is a person, and his name is Jesus. 
And we're to get hold of Jesus. We're to grab hold of Jesus. We're to hang on to Jesus in our lives. See, the, the way that that starts in us is that we need to continue to grow in our relationship with Him. We need to understand that, that building this relationship is the most important thing that we can be doing this side of heaven. And, and as we know that we can trust Him because of all He's done for us, we, we then yield to the Holy Spirit and, and He helps us on, on our journey because all of us still are going through some things. Nobody here is walking in absolute perfection. So we need to be yielding to the Holy Spirit. Now, just as, as a quick review so that you kind of hang on to this whole process. And we've talked about this before, but this is one of those things that is important to me that you know. Salvation. The idea of salvation, it, it, there's tension in it. And so the reality is when you read it in the scripture, we are saved, we're being saved, and we will be saved. And, and that, that kind of messes with our, our minds about the way that we think about things. But you need to know that there's tension in the Scripture between the now and the not yet. And the way I like to explain that, and th- these are three terms that you should absolutely know. So when you come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and you, you give your life to Him, uh, and you, you know, ask Him to come into your heart, you are saved. There's no doubt about that. And that's when you're justified. You're justified. And the way I like to remember being justified is just as if I'd never sinned. It's an amazing concept. And so what happens is when you come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, then what does God does is God chooses to see us in the perfection of His Son, just as if we'd never sinned. So we've been saved. We're saved. No doubt about that. Now, another thing that happens at that moment is that the Holy Spirit comes and dwells inside us, which is a great, another great deal. Remember, we've talked about that. He's a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. What an amazing, amazing gift that is. But, but that happens when we're justified. Now, so God sees us in the perfection of His Son. We're forgiven, we're holy, we're righteous, we're all those things. And yet, honestly, we understand that we still have some issues going on in our lives. None of us is perfect yet. So what begins to happen then when the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in us, He begins us on this journey of sanctification. That's this whole idea of pressing on. And, and sanctification is that we're being saved. We are saved. We're justified. We're being saved. We're being sanctified as we yield to the Holy Spirit throughout the course of our lives. And this goes on the entire time that you're uh, still walking around here in the flesh. You're being sanctified. It's a process. It's a, it's a walk. It's not easy. That's why it's called a walk. And it's, a, it's ongoing. And so that's happening throughout our lives. And my hope would be that you can see change taking place in your life. Certainly if you've walked with the Lord for a long time, you can see all sorts of change. But even in incremental measures, I, I can see, you know, look back six months and think I'm, I'm different now. And it's not because of me. It's because of what He's been doing in me. And things are changing throughout the process. And then at some point when either we've gone to be with Jesus or Jesus comes to get us, whichever happens first, that's when we're glorified. That's glorification. That's when we get the new bodies and all that neat stuff starts happening and taking place uh, in, in eternity. And so we're, we will be saved. So we are saved and we're being saved and we will be saved. And it's all three things happening at once. There's tension in this dynamic in the kingdom that you need to hang on to in the process. So we're, we're talking in this idea right now about sanctification, about hanging on to Jesus and yielding to the Holy Spirit so that he changes us as we continue to press in and press on. So that's the, the first thing that we need to do. The solution, getting a hold of Jesus uh, in the process. Now, the second thing is the value of confession. The value of confession. Uh, we don't always understand this um, the way that we should. But let me read you First John 1.9. If we confess our sins, 
He's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Sometimes the struggle that comes from this particular verse, 1 John, the way it's written, uh, some people think that that first chapter wasn't for believers uh, because it starts the second chapter by saying, my dear children, and they think that's where it starts talking about believers. But when you read the scripture, you also have to know that all the little numbers for the verses and all the chapters that are put in there were added later. So that we could talk about them together. So that we could go, well, let's talk about this. And so they, they came up with a system. So just because there's a change in, in, uh, in the chapter doesn't mean that there's a change in thought. And so this, this whole letter was written to believers. And, and the reality is that they, they were struggling sometimes. And the Apostle John wants them to know about the value of confession. And so people will get stuck and go, well, if I'm forgiven, what do I need to confess? Well, you are forgiven because of the tension that we talked about, but there's still some sin in your life that you need to deal with. And the way that you get unstuck is by understanding what confession does. And to confess isn't just to go to God and say, I'm sorry. That's to confess. The, the word is a, it's a compound word, homologeo, which means same word, same thing. And what we're doing is we're going to the Lord and we're saying, same word. it's you were right and I was wrong. Your way was right. My way was wrong. I should do it your way, not my way. And there's something powerful about just speaking those things out, that you say those things to the Lord. You own your sin. You own what you've done. And you get it out of the darkness and into the light. Anything that you're keeping down in there is the enemy's territory. He loves to operate in the darkness. And he just beats you to death with guilt and shame, with that stuff you're not dealing with. So you confess it. You, you get it to the Lord and you, you say it. And sometimes, you know, it's, it's not an immediate process. We're already forgiven. It's not what I'm talking about. But sometimes it takes us a while to get unstuck because we keep getting back to that thing. But we're taking the power out of it by, by confessing it to the Lord. Another powerful thing about confession, and I know this is hard for folks, but... But you really should have at least one person in your life that you can be completely transparent with, that you're not holding anything back from. And, and if you don't have that person, you really need to find one of those people. If you're blessed, you have two or three people like that. who you can. This is where I'm struggling. This is what's going on. And you know they're going to love you and they're not going to judge you and they're going to pray for you and they're not going to go and tell everybody around town that, <gasps> do you know what I just heard? We need to pray for this person because... Huh? We don't want to do that. So, so and sometimes people say, well, I don't have anybody like that in my life. What do I do? And my best advice for that is to, to have people like that in your life, you need to be one of those people. You need to be somebody that's safe, who can handle information, who doesn't judge, who doesn't get critical, who encourages, who prays, uh, who does those things. And, and as you're that person, you will find those people in your life. And so that's a very important idea, this idea of just getting that stuff out of the darkness and into the light. Third. You've got to recognize the pattern of where you're stuck and why you're stuck and those things that you keep repeating that you don't want to do. Uh, and, and so in James 1, 14 and 15, it says this, But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away uh, and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived it, it gives birth to, has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. There, there's a pattern of those things that we get stuck in. And so I like to think of it this way. There's a trigger, there's an action, and there's a reward. Trigger, action, reward. So um, we need to start thinking about the triggers. So let's just say that you're anxious. And 
There's, a, there's definitely a biblical way to deal with anxiety. You, we'll talk about that next week, in fact. Uh, you know, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcend all understanding. You know the verse. So, um, so that's how we should do it. But we don't always get there right away. I don't know. I don't, I, I, you know, I talk about that verse all the time. I think about it a lot. But sometimes you, you start to get a little anxious, and maybe you move into a different direction. Like, uh, you know, it's very possible that if I'm anxious and I'm not paying attention, I might just kind of wander over to the refrigerator in my house and the freezer, and I might pop that bad, pop it right open and take a good look in there to see what might help me at that moment feel less anxious. And, and I know part of the reason for that is my mom was a great cook, uh, and, and whenever I wasn't right, she would give me food. And I liked it. <laughs> I... I'd feel sti- sick. Well, you need here more food. Well, my stomach hurts. Well, eat mashed potatoes. Okay. And then I, I don't know why that's supposed to make you better, but whatever it took. And so, you know, you grow up and you equate some of those things. And, and for a big chunk of my life, that's where I went with my anxiety. And I was still so every now and again, I'll catch myself just popping over the, the, and, and kind of looking in there for something that is immediately going to make me feel better. So the, the trigger was anxiety or something anxious or being worried or thinking about something or just being a little unsettled. And the action was to get open in the refrigerator. Uh, and then, you know, if I took something and ate a gallon of ice cream or something, uh, there was a reward. There was a payoff. You know, the Bible says sin is pleasurable for a season. I felt better, for, but, but then I had to deal with the fact that I'd just eaten a gallon of ice cream. And, and then I'm anxious, so what do I do? I, hey, we need more ice cream. <laughs> and, and I would still catch myself sometimes, now, and I use that verse a lot, so I don't do it all the time, but, but the reality is you've you got to catch yourself at the trigger. So if you're unsettled, if you're, if you're feeling a little low, if you're, if you're feeling you know, insecure about who you are, whatever your trigger is, it leads you to the action that leads to that sin, which is you know, the, the reward. You need to change it. Catch yourself at the trigger. So here's what I try and do. There's a prayer. I like to pray um, when I'm in these situations. Some of you will know this, but some of you don't. And so if, you, if you've never heard me say this before, get ready, write this down. This is worth the price of admission. So you, you start noticing that something's unsettled, and, and you, here's what you do. You do this. Help! Um, that was it. Did you get it? If you didn't write it down, write it down. You need this. And this will change your life. We all, I'm serious. Because if you're in that thought process and you're about to go and move in a situation that you know you don't want to go into, but you don't feel like you have... Help! Why? Because you've got the Holy Spirit in you. You, you, can, you, can, you know that God is with you and for you. He wants you to live that kind of life. You can, maybe you've got some friends that you could talk to at that moment. Or you can pray. Or you can read the Word. You can do something different so that you're not just continually stuck into that process. And if you mess up, we just go back to the Father and we confess, Lord, I, I did that again. It wasn't what I wanted to do. And, and, and will you help me? And he goes, yes, I'll help you. And he empowers us. And the next time say, help. And I got you. And see, that's the process. That's how you begin to get unstuck. Because Paul wants us, 30 years in, he's saying, look, we got these issues, and we need to keep pressing on so that we can live the kind of life, not only the best life that we can have, but because of the way it impacts the world around us. So kind of think about that stuff this week. And then next week, we're going to jump into Philippians 4 and talk about some of the other stuff. But that's good for today. Ministry team, on your head over the wall. People on that way over there are here to pray for you. If you need prayer for anything, then make sure you get it. They'll pray for your healing, relationships, problems, finances, situations, whatever you got. Let me pray for you as a group. Then we can have breakfast and dismiss. Papa, thank you for your amazing love for us. And that you want us to live full and abundant lives. So you help us.
And Lord, you even help us to, to, get, to get unstuck in those places that we, we just haven't yielded yet to you. And God, you, you, you're amazing. Your grace for us, that you've, you've met us where we are, and yet you, you continue us on in this process, and you love us through it all. And that, that we're already forgiven, and you see us as holy and righteous. It's an amazing, amazing thing. So God, just help us to, to continue to grab hold, to take hold of Jesus. And, and, and that as he changes us, not only would it, would it impact us, but it would impact the world around us for you. That you would bring renewal, revival, and breakthrough to this area. That hundreds and thousands of people would come to know you as their Lord and Savior. We pray again this morning for every church in this area, God, where your word is preached. And we ask that you would bless them abundantly with everything they need to fulfill the mission you've given them. We ask for your continued abundant blessing on us, God, to fulfill the mission you've given us of one more. Just one more lost child back to you, dead. Just one more. Thank you so much for including us in your story here in this time and place. You are an awesome and amazing God. If you need prayer this morning for anything, the folks over there will pray for you. Healing, relationships, problems, finances, situations, whatever you got. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, let's take care of that this morning as well. It's humility and faith. In humility, it's just admitting to God you're broken like all the rest of us. You've sinned. Asking Him to forgive you, which He'll do. And then in faith, inviting and accepting Jesus into your heart and life as Lord and Savior. If you have never prayed a prayer like that, do it now. Best decision you will ever make. And if you need help, just go and ask somebody. Just say, I want to know Jesus. He'll know exactly what you mean. So if you need prayer for that or for anything, I'd encourage you to get it. If you're going to stay in our breakfast, we'll thank you for the food you provided. Bless that. Everybody makes it possible. Draw people in for the 11 o'clock service, God. You are awesome. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. And go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. Remember, be thankful for five, uh, be thankful for five things. Encourage two people so we can get one lost child back to dad. Prayers over there. Breakfast is in the back. As you go, drive safely. Be kind to one another in the parking lot. Have a great day. Catch some fish. Hope your team wins. Hope your driver wins. See you later. Bye. Thanks for watching this broadcast from Keys Vineyard Community Church in Big Pine Key, Florida. Be sure to like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For more information, log on to keysvineyard.com. We'll see you next time.